The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. It's great to be with you, students. As Mark has kindly introduced who I am to you, my name is Jin, and I serve as one of the pastors at Chelton, a Church of Hope. Perhaps many of you know Dr. Crusen, who is right here with us. All, we serve together as a pastoral leadership team. And many of you might also know Dr. Bryant here as well. He's also one of our elders. It's my great joy to open up the Word of God this morning. Today, as we dive into Hebrews 11, that Mark just read it for us, I want to ask one singular question to all of you. How do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainties and unknowns? We are forced to make many decisions in our lives. Then how do we make wise decisions? How are we supposed to live wisely in the middle of uncertainties and unknown? Through the development of technologies and through the innovation of medicine, somehow modern Western culture, we live under illusion that we can control any uncertainties. Our chant of our motto is limit uncertainties. Sure, in some degrees, the life expectancy got much longer as a result of all the development. But as all of you know, it takes just like that. None of you know what tomorrow holds. And throughout your life, you will make many decisions. In your teens, you made the decision of who's going to be your friend, and perhaps in your 40s and 50s, you really figure out, this is my permanent home. I'm going to settle down. In your 60s and 70s, how you are going to retire, how you're going to spend time with your grandchildren, if the Lord bless you with that. But especially right now where you are, in your 20s, that you're about to walk in or you just entered in, the decision that you are required to make has the lifelong consequences and quite frankly, you and I aren't wise enough to deal with that. What kind of worldview are we going to conduct our lives with? What kind of career are you going to choose? Who are you going to marry? All those have such a lifelong consequence and significant that God, how in the world am I supposed to live wisely when everything, I got no idea even what tomorrow holds? This is not the question that only we are asking. We, Chaplain Mark, just read Hebrews 11 for us, but these recipients of Hebrews 11 were asking the very same question. If you look at just the chapter before in chapter 10, especially verse 32 and 34, these people were filled with uncertainties and unknowns of their lives. Their homes were plundered, they were persecuted. They were imprisoned, and some faced the death. If I were them, I'm thinking, God, I believe in you. I want to follow you. Then why is my life falling apart? Why is everything going south? I don't even know what tomorrow holds in my life. Perhaps you're right there. You're like, Jen, I have to make so many decisions. I'm panicking right now. My heart is filled with anxiousness. I didn't get enough sleep last night. I don't know what the Lord has in my life. I hope and pray that as you look at the faith of Abraham, 
I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart as you continually spend time in the Word of God. So three things that we learned today. How do you make wise decisions and how do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainty as an unknown? Let me give you three things. Live obediently, wholeheartedly, and hopefully, full of hope. Live obediently, wholeheartedly, and hopefully. Now, this 8 through 13, 8 through 16 that we read, it's in a sense, it's a two units of thought, but second unit of thought, in a sense, reinforce. Verse 13 through 16 reinforce everything that the author has already said. So I'm going to combine these two sections and walk you through one by one. So first, how do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainties and unknown? Live obediently even when you don't see the full picture. Live obediently before the Lord even when you do not see the full picture. Verse 8 and 13. What happened in verse 8? By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he just obeyed and went even though he did not see where he was going. That would cause me panic. I don't even know. I wouldn't even get to campus if I didn't have ways. I need to know where I need to go. Otherwise, I'll be completely lost today. Even I got lost in campus for a bit. <laughs> but look at Abraham's life. Let me give you three accounts. When you look at Genesis 12, 15, 22, Genesis 12, God shows up to Abraham. He was happy and content living in the Ur of Chaldees, the eastern side of Fertile Crescent. He's been, he lived there throughout generations. He was like near 80, 75-year-old. Everything was fine. And God shows up one day, and God says, get out. I'm like, whoa, that escalated quickly. <laughs> A good old King James says, get thee out of the country. I'd be like, why, when, how, what's, what's happening? God simply says, it would be great. I'll make you a great nation. That's all he says. Next time God shows up in Genesis 15, this time God promised his descendant, and God promises Abraham that you will enter into this great land, the promised land, but you'll be like a foreigner. I'm like, wait a second. If I go to promised land, I'm expecting five-star hotel, not a living like a foreigner, not knowing where I'm going. God, why, how, when, what's happening? God doesn't tell you anything. Later, Abraham finally receives the promised descendant, Isaac. But Genesis 22, God shows up one more time. By this time, I'll be pretty nervous if God shows up again in my life. Sure enough, God shows up and says, kill him. God, tell me more. What is happening in my life? I'm sure Abraham was wondering, did you see what happened in verse 8? God didn't tell him anything. He said, hey, when called to go to a place, he went, even though he did not know what was happening. Students, what is so hard in our lives is that often we don't know what the tomorrow holds. God often do not reveal you every single step of your life four miles down the road. Yet often he calls us to obey. Hey, Jen, do you trust the sovereignty and the goodness of me? Will you take a step of faith in obedience? And here Abraham says, it says that he obeyed and went. And this is not only for Abraham. Look at verse 13. There are many people who lived by faith even when they died. And they did not receive the things they have promised. It's been promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a far distance. They only saw the glimpse of it. But nonetheless, they obeyed and went. 
Wouldn't it be great if God shows everything four miles down the road, like two months down the road, and you're like, God, thank you very much. I got you. I'll follow you. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. When I was about your age, back in 2007 and 8, I think I was junior, senior in college, back then I decided to take some summer class in Israel. So I went there, lived there for 10 weeks, about three months. And while we worked in the kibbutz and we traveled the Holy Land on a weekend, I went to Jerusalem one day and this person, this salesman, sold me this little lamp. And I thought, well, I'll buy it. Maybe one day I'll use it as a sermon illustration. 14, 15 years later, here I go. <laughs> See, I thought when God's word tells us, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I somehow thought if I light up that lamp, I thought it would show me 10 miles down the road. But this is what the commoners used at the time. This tiny lamp, you put oil in it and you light up the week. And if I do that today, what happens? Even if it turn like completely off, pitch dark, if I light this thing up, it would barely show me next step. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I just take one step in obedience. As I trust in the word of God, his goodness, sovereignty revealed in the word of God, keep the lamp on, take another step in obedience. And as you obey step by step where God is leading you, he will continually be with you, guide you, and walk you through it. I think my personal heartache will only subside more if only I know what's ahead of me. But that's also delusional thinking for all of us. What if you know everything in your life? Oh, you will be worried all the time. You cannot still control that. So students, I'm sure you got so many things to worry about today. Will you choose to obey the Lord even when you don't see the full picture? That's what Abraham did. He didn't know what was happening. But he says, trusted God. He obeyed and went. When I was in high school, I came here as an exchange student in my senior year. I'm like, man, if only, what if I get to college here? I went to college here. Well, if only, what if I figure out my career? I guess I figured out. I went to seminary. I went to seminary. If only, what if I get a green card? You think if only, what if will end? It never ends in your life. Will you live out of your abandon the thought of a la-la land of what if and if only and choose to obey the Lord even if you don't see the full picture. Take one step of obedience at a time because it's far easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. As you pursue the Lord, he will reveal to you step by step. Where are you? Where is your heart today? How's your heart, students? I pray the Lord will continue to prick your heart as you continually study. So first, live obediently even when you don't see the full picture. Second, live wholeheartedly even in your transition. Verse 9 and 13b. What does verse 9 say? So Abraham got to the promised land. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. But he was still like a stranger and a foreigner, he says. He lived in tents. If you're Abraham, whoa. God, wait a second, you called me to get out of my home where I lived all my life, so I trusted you. It was hard, it was not easy, but I got to the promised land now. Now what would you expect? Everything's supposed to be wonderful. I obeyed God. Look at it. He's like a foreigner, and he's living in the tent. Wait a second, God, what is happening? Because Abraham was not the rightful possessor, he only lived as an 
alien. But do you see that he did not live as a traveler? He made himself home. He neither lived like a traveler nor like a citizen. He was only, in a sense, like a foreigner, a permanent resident in this promised land. And it was only heightened by his nomadic life that God has called him to live. Students often, we think, oh man, I just want to settle in. But life is made out of transitions. Before you realize, every day there's something. Perhaps you are walking through a transition But as you're walking through a transition, whatever it is looking like in your life, will you live wholeheartedly? Abraham didn't say, oh, wow, now I just live in a tent. I'm like a foreigner, so I'm not going to do anything about it. No, he settled. He made himself home. Even though a circumstance was not exactly what he was expecting, he still lived wholeheartedly wherever God has called you. Perhaps one of the hardest seasons that you will walk through in your life is when God prolongs the season of transition. And your transition is just not going well. Perhaps some of you just got out of high school and entered this glorious promised land of Karen University. You thought, yes, I'm a college student now. Life is going to be great. And you're panicking every day, crying in your dorm. (laughs) For some of you, maybe. And you're like, what is happening in my life? I'm running like a chicken head cut off every day, finding classroom. <laughs> For some of you senior, you are already thinking, oh man, in a year, I have to get out. I have to figure out my life. I don't know. Perhaps some of you are walking through career chains, major chains. God, I thought you have called me here. But why is everything taking U-turn? Or perhaps some of you are going through heartbreak right now. Major rejection breakups. Those are not easy. Those transitional period of death of hope to new hope. Time that when God called you, we are like, God, I don't know what to do, but would you embrace the limbo? In the end, all of us are called the transitional life of 100 years. And God has called the four years, for some of you, maybe a little longer. But this is the place where you can live wholeheartedly Before I minister in current context at Shelton, I pastored in Princeton, and I ministered a lot to university students there and PhD students. And they often tell me, oh, Jen, I got friends back home. I'm fine. I'm like, no, God has called you here. I get that this is a transition for you. You get out of Princeton, do whatever you want to do, but would you live wholeheartedly even in the middle of your transition right now where God has called you? Make yourself home. This four years, five years, wherever, how long you are here, it's not going to return. Some of your best friends will come out right from this auditoriums. This is a precious time to live wholeheartedly wherever God has called you. I remember sitting in college chapel myself when I was an undergrad. I don't know whether I would have made it through college experience without really chapel time. God, I am panicking. I don't know what I'm doing. I thought you have called me to be an opera singer. Look at me. Everything's falling apart. I cannot sing to save my life. (laughs) But as I look back through success, when there's success come, know that it is God who blessed it. When the failure comes, know that it is God who permitted it. That will give you tranquility, the equilibrium of your heart, even in the middle of limbo and uncertainties. The Abraham's face. Now, 
It says, verse 13, that they were all foreigners and strangers on earth. All of us are. Yet God has called us here in this time. So let us live wholeheartedly, even in the middle of transition, in your college years, wherever, whatever walks of life you are walking through. If you are walking through filled with anxiousness, know that God is with you. God sees you. Psalmist tells us that God collects your tears into the bottle. And Revelation tells us that when he comes back, he will wipe all tears from your eyes. There shall be no more hurt, sorrow, or pain, or death, for the former things have passed away. In the meantime, as you look for that glorious day, trust in God who collects your tears, who knows your tears. He's good to you. Embrace the limbo, live wholeheartedly. That's what Abraham did. Thirdly, how are we supposed to live wisely even in the middle of uncertainties and unknown? Live hopefully with God's promise in view. Verse 10 and 11 and 14 through 16. How in the world was Abraham able to continually trust God when God calls him out of his comfort zone that he lived there all his life? When he entered the promised land, but he's living in the tents. Then how in the world, if I were Abraham, I'm like, thank you very much, God. This is not what I expected. What's going on? Know what Abraham was focusing, verse 10. He was looking forward, looking forward, and not looking back. Looking forward to the city with the foundation, the designer, the architect, the builder is God himself. And this is not only for Abraham, 14 through 16. It says that people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they are thinking the country left it behind, nothing. But they're all looking forward to, for the better country, a heavenly one. Students, how do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainty, even when you don't see the full picture? Yes, live obediently, even you don't understand full picture Live wholeheartedly right now where you are. But do not find to lie. YOLO. You have eternity to live. As you live wholeheartedly where you are, have the better focus of what is to come. Just like C.S. Lewis said, if you aim at this earth, you will get nothing. If you aim at heaven, you get both heaven and earth. But if you aim at earth, you get neither of them. This is a wonderful opportunity for you in these four years that God has called you to shape the worldview. Would you look forward to the better country that is to come? If you put all your focus in this life, on this temporal earth, what are you going to do when God calls you to a place you have no idea, when things are all disappointing? But if you put your focus on eternity, what is to come, that will give you poise. That will give you hope in the middle of uncertainties and unknown. You know what's how I end my journal? I journal last 16, 17 years all in my computer. It's often either end with glory to God or Maranatha. Come, come soon, dear Lord Jesus. I know I'm saved. I know he has washed me by his blood. I know I have been redeemed. But I am a sinful being just like you are, students. And I am struggling. God, I am waiting for the glorious day where there's no pain, no sorrow. The glorious day you have promised is to come. 
So in your agony, in your sorrow, in your rejection and failures, know that this is not everything. There's better country that is to come. Abraham lived only like a permanent resident because his citizenship belongs to elsewhere. And we all are citizens of our Heavenly Father, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, perhaps many of you know the name Pastor Tim Keller, the founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Just last year, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And in the Atlantic, this is what he wrote. It's his way of articulating how we need to put our focus on heaven. That's when actually you can really enjoy the earth that where God has called you. Listen to what he says. As the spiritual reality grows, what are the effects on how I live? One of the most difficult results to explain is what happened to my joys and fears. Since my diagnosis, Kathy and I, his wife and I, have come to see that the more we tried to make a heaven out of this world, the more we grounded our comfort and security in it, the less we are able to enjoy it. When we turn good things into ultimate things, when we make them our greatest consolation and loves, they will necessarily disappoint us bitterly. To our surprise and encouragement, Kathy and I have discovered that the less we attempt to make this world into a heaven, the more we are able to enjoy it. This change was not an overnight revolution. As God's reality dawns more on my heart, slowly and painfully, and through many tears, the simplest pleasures of this world have become source of daily happiness. It is only as I have become, for lack of a better term, more heavenly-minded that I can see the material world for the astonishingly good divine gift that is. Students, if you put all your hope in A+, that will disappoint you bitterly. If you put all your hope in your romantic interest, what are you going to do when they reject you? Disappointment will not just be disappointment, it will be a despair, a loss of hope. That person, whoever you're putting your hope in, is not strong enough to carry you through that. You will die a million deaths. What if you put all your hope, everything, my career, my major has to work? What are you going to do when you fail in your career? When you have to change your major? When everything goes south? It is not strong enough to hold you. Yes, live wholeheartedly wherever God calls you, but know that your ultimate hope, ultimate weight of your heart should be heavenly-minded. When your ultimate weight of your heart, the gravitas, the weight, the love, ultimate allegiance, affection is in what Jesus Christ has done, you will be able to enjoy these four years. As hard as it is, when you walk through the valley, you will trust God. God, it is you who have called me to this trying season. It is not Satan who have called Jesus to the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus to the wilderness, even though he was tempted by Satan in the end. See, it is Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife, who said, it is not the top of the mount where everything grows, but deep down in a valley where trees and plants grow. Perhaps God has called you to deep down a valley today. You're like, God, I am longing for a better home, but this valley that you have called me is just too much. Will you take heart 
Don't lose heart, student. God is with you. He is the one who has called you, and He is faithful to carry you through that. So if God has called you, often we are desperate to crawl out of it. But if God has called you to valley, faithfully walk through it. Know that God is with you in your disappointment and sorrows, and you can have a heavenly focus, knowing that one day He will wipe all tears from our eyes. So yes, Live obediently even when you don't see the full picture. God is sovereign. He is good. Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not see the full picture. And live wholeheartedly. Imagine living a limbo life of neither citizen nor traveler. But he made himself home in this promised land. He was not the rightful possessor. He still lived wholeheartedly at the same time. Put your eternal focus. Live hopefully, full of hope. With God's promise in view, he has promised good to you, that he will come back. Now, the final question, how do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainties and unknown? How do you make wise decisions of your life? Lies in the secret that actually I did not give you the point. Fourth, finally, live in Christ alone. I skipped one verse intentionally to bring this home. Do you see what verse 12 says? From this one man, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the seashore. What is this talking about? Yes, God has promised descendants to Abraham, the physical descendants, but far more than that, one day the true Abraham will come. The true Abraham, his name is Jesus, and he will live his life obediently. Even though it was hard for him, God, let this cup pass away from me. This was even too much for Jesus. Yet he still lived obedient to death on the cross. And through his obedience, we are redeemed. See, what if Jesus did not live wholeheartedly? Well, I had eternity with my triune God. I got just 30 few years on this earth. Oh, well, whatever. Uh, let Jin go to cross. No, I would die. You would die. But Jesus gave everything in this temporal, in a sense, transition, but a crux of everything of his earthly ministry at the cross because of his obedience, because he gave his heart away at the cross. Through his death, we are redeemed. Through his death, his descendants are as numerous as stars in the sky. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's who you are. Jesus died to redeem you. So when you don't understand what life holds before you, will you trust him? Will you look to Jesus as you look at one look at your heart, one look at your success, one look at your failure? Take 20 look at what Jesus Christ has done for you. Think out the implication of the gospel in your life. Truly, the gospel is the only place that you are deeply known for who you are. Your strength, your joys, and it was, you are also known for your quirks, your weirdness, your sins. But Jesus died. He pursued you. He died to death to save you, redeem you. That glorious love, the more you saturate your hearts in that, to the degree that you marinate yourself to the beauty of the cross, and he's promised that he will return one more time, you will be able to live obediently, not out of guilt and shame, but out of joy and gratitude for all that Jesus has done. And we get to live wholeheartedly because we know Jesus has given us everything that we need in him. When all you have is Jesus, 
you begin to realize that all you need is Jesus. And then we live with hope, live hopefully with God's promise in view. He has redeemed us and he will return once again. So, where is your heart, student, today? Is it filled with joy? Praise him. Is it filled with sorrow? Look to him. He's right there with you. How do you live wisely in the middle of uncertainties and unknown? How do you make wise decisions in your life? I pray that you continually take a look at Jesus Christ, what he has done for you, and his promise that he will return once again. Let's pray together. God, as this Hall of Fame chapter, this man and woman of God, we're looking forward to better country, the better city of God that is to come. God, I pray that you turn our eyes up to heaven. May we be so heavenly-minded. At the same time, O oh Lord, you have called us here on this temporal earth. Help us to not live just as a consumer or a traveler or a tourist. Help us to make home, just like Abraham did in tents. Give us, help us to give everything in these four years that you have called us here in Karen. Give us friendship. Give us peace of heart. But, oh Lord, more than anything, we ask that you give us more Jesus. Uh, may the reality will continually dawn on our hearts that, Jesus, I have everything I need in you. Oh Lord, I especially lift up those students who are panicking, who are just going through a terrible time thinking, this is just too much for me. God, would you draw near to them? I'm sure Abraham said the same thing. God, what are you doing? I got no idea what you're up to. But, oh Lord, will you be the strength of their heart so that they may see you and trust you today? God, we look to Jesus, the author, the perfector, the finisher of our faith. And in Jesus we live, in Jesus we hope. In his glorious and saving name we pray. Amen.